you need to keep going because there are some people watching you thinking you're the one who knows it. You're the one who's going after it and you owe it to them to get as far as you can with this thing. And so for me, it's my motivation, you know, because it was a good reminder. And I think your village will remind you why you belong in that room and why you deserve all the things that are waiting for you. Hey everyone, I'm Maria Sansone and this is Mom to Mom, the podcast. I'm so glad you're here today. You know, we say this quote a lot around here on Mom to Mom, necessity is the mother of invention. Truer words have never been spoken and there's no truer statement when it comes to the company Little Cocoa Bean. So this amazing Boston-based baby food company was founded by my guest today, Tracy Skelly, just a few years ago. And she has combined culture and community to expand baby's first foods for all families. So today she's going to share how this company was born, how it all started, why the community for her is so important. And she even offers advice for women who are looking to do something similar because I know a lot of women out there, a lot of moms in particular, are looking for a pivot, are looking to start their own business. So Tracy has a lot of great information. And in this interview, we cover a lot of ground and Tracy really gets vulnerable and opens up to us about not only being a female entrepreneur, but also about being a black female entrepreneur and what that experience has been like for her. So a really awesome conversation. I think you will enjoy it. So here is my conversation with the CEO and founder of Little Cocoa Bean, Tracy Skelly. Tracy, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. I love this setup here. Is this your kitchen? This is so beautiful. <laughs> it is. It's like, a, I have an Eden kitchen. So this is like where the dining table is and like a little built-in bench. And I just do my work from here. And for you, this is where all the magic happens in your oh, kitchen. Yeah. So it is <laughs> apropos. So Absolutely. let's talk about all the amazing things you're doing. So first of all, big congrats because your business is booming and we're going to get to all of that. But let's start, I guess, at the beginning. Let's take me back to kind of the genesis because it's a cool story of how mm -hmm. Little Cocoa Bean was founded. Yeah. So back in uh, 2018, I had a baby four months early, a tiny little thing um, who spent about four weeks in the NICU. And when I brought her home, I brought her home to her loud, loving, massive village. Um, my mom, my aunts, I mean, we had a house full of people, um, which I understand is like not ideal for most, but that is sort of just how my family does things. So the baby was welcomed home with a lot of people and a lot of love. And when she was old enough to start eating solids, you know, my family is, I'm a first generation American. We come from Panama by way of the Caribbean and our foods are this sort of mix of, of cultures and ingredients, African roots, Caribbean, West Indian. I mean, it's, it's just, um, it's delicious. It's wonderful. And when she was old enough to begin eating solids, we made everything fresh. No one in my family believes in, in baby food. I started just taking products places. People were like, wait, what's that? Like you use, what's this chayote? And I'm like, oh, it's chayote. It's a summer squash and it's delicious and it's good for you and mild and a great first food. And 
So friends of mine who also had babies at the time would ask me to bring products. Um, and so I just started like being the like baby food lady. I was filling up pouches and jars and sort of taking it with me everywhere. And then there a couple smaller things happened, but we're sort of like catalyzed this launch into business, including a visit to my daughter's pediatrician. So when I visited my daughter's pediatrician, they give you a survey. If you've ever been like, what does your child eat? you know, et cetera. And the survey had a, a check boxes and it had like apples, peaches, pears, carrots, like all these, like, you know, what in America would be common first foods. And I was like, she's definitely eaten an apple before and maybe like maybe a peach, but I'm like, where's the papaya, the chayote, the tamarind, the, you know, all the other foods that are so common in cultures outside of the U.S. And by the way, the U.S. is this massive melting pot. People right. come from everywhere. And so the fact that I had this very, I don't know, Eurocentric survey, like the light bulb went off for me, like during that moment when I'm like carting bags and boxes of food to swim class and play dates. And I'm filling out this survey that made me feel so othered. It was a small thing, but it made me feel like, oh, my baby's foods aren't necessarily considered first foods. They're not necessarily considered, but in my culture and where I come from, they certainly are. And for a lot of people, they certainly are. And so that's just kind of how it started. I'm like, I don't know how to run a food business. I know I have a business background, so I know business strategy. I know business development, but let me learn about the requirements for opening a food business. And that was all she wrote was the birth of my second baby. Wow. Well, they say necessity is the mother of invention and who better to do it than a mother? Oh, I mean, absolutely. Great multitaskers. <laughs> I feel like when you have a baby, sometimes those light bulbs do tend to go off. Somehow we are so overwhelmed. Right. But I feel like women are very creative during that time. And I've seen a lot of people who've been able to grow a business um, after having kids. So, gosh, that's a huge undertaking. How what's the first step for you? Because I know there's a lot of people at home thinking, I've got a great idea. I've got that little seed. Absolutely. What do I do? Where do I I go. So what was kind of yeah. step one? Luckily you had a little business background. I understand the basic elements of running and growing lean, healthy business, but um, I knew nothing about the food industry. And so for me, I believe that learning sort of is the key to most things. Um, as parents, you know, it's like the one job you don't have to like pass a test to get. Uh, they just kind of like give you the baby. But what we do know is that as parents, like we research everything, like as much as possible, you're researching everything before the baby comes, it gets here. You know, once you get them, you're like constantly researching. And so I took that same approach when it came to starting a business. I signed up for every class and accelerator I could. I tried to learn like the finance lexicon because I didn't know what EBITDA means, or I needed to learn like from a financial perspective, like what are the things that I should know as I'm like balancing my PL. And then from like FDA, like they require <laughs> specific food. things on the label. Yes. Right? From what, what I understand, there's a lot of red tape with food too. So to get Absolutely. into that world is just extra. I want to talk about how the community reacted when you, you know, you said you were out and about and you're showing mm -hmm. friends and people in your circles, like this baby food, was it foreign to them as well? Or were they excited to get on board? A mix. So I would say our customers are sort of in three categories. The first category, they're first-generation American parents just like me. And they're like, 
I grew up eating this food. Like I never thought to feed my child this food, but like, this is what my grandma fed us. This is what my mom fed us. So I think there's a, a third of the group falls into that. Like, this is really affirming and it's nostalgic. Then there's this second group of folks who, you know, for them, it really is different. Like it's, it's stuff that they haven't heard of, but they're like super excited to, you know, to try something new, to expose their kids to something new. And then there's the third group. There was a third group that like, I've tried some of this food, like out at restaurants for myself. So I know it, but I didn't know it as a food that I could actually feed my child, but why not feed my child Japanese sweet potato? Because I'm feeding them like the regular like the common sweet potato at home and didn't think of like the Okinawan potato as something that I could sub in there. So it's just been really interesting. I wonder how your daughter is now, because I used that. uh, That was a badge of honor for me when my kids were little. I fed them everything. I mashed it up and exposed them to all these flavors. And now my daughter's in second grade and she wants the orange stuff. She wants mac and cheese in the box. And I'm like, where's my baby who was eating all this cool stuff? Is the timing is so interesting because (laughs) (laughs) um, I am on TikTok like, lots of folks, but mostly encouraged by my very young and eager um, social media manager. And today we were just filming a video on this very thing, which is like, you're not doing anything wrong. Kids are weird about food, just like we get weird about food sometimes. And like, you'll find that your baby may eat all of what you expose them to, but then they get like, they start creeping up in age and they're like, "Mm, what is this thing you're giving me? And I'm like, no, but really six months ago, you ate it. They'll circle back. They'll be fine. And really kind of the goal at this point, your daughter's age is like, let's just hide stuff in like, we just got to be a little, you know, or I'm just hiding veggies and all kinds of food. A little cauliflower in there, little pea. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about that community. How has that helped you? I know that's a that's a big part of your business and you give back to the community, which is amazing. How did that and the village that you had, which was so special to help, you know, raise your family? How did all of that come into play when you were launching your business? I think, you know, like you you host a show called Mom to Mom. We have these really common experiences between moms, no matter how different we are, how different the ages of our children are. You know, there are some really common things among us. And one of the things is that like parenting is challenging. Like it is, it can be fun, rewarding, amazing, like this love you've never experienced, but it also is like a really hard job to balance alongside all the other things we're doing well. And one of the things that I'm acutely aware of is that for income constrained parents, mothers, they are experiencing all the same challenges that we're experiencing while raising their children. And then some, Mm. they have things like, you know, how am I going to make my rent this month? You know, will my lights be on? Do I have enough money to buy diapers for my child? I know I should change their diapers more often, but I don't know how I'm going to make it through to the end of the month. And by the way, WIC, SNAP doesn't cover the cost of diapers. So for me, I could not see myself launching a business without considering the village, the overall village, the village that I am a contributing member of as well. And so for me, what that meant was figuring out a way as the company made money and did well to also do good 
to also ensure that those moms that may not be able to afford to patronize my business, that they still benefit as well. And that I'm still a supporter and supportive of them as well. And so I just, and even as I'm hiring my, you know, first few full-time employees, like I want to make it possible for someone who wants to get back into the working world, but has these tiny tots at home. Like, how do we figure this out? Because to me, we can figure this out. The fact that it doesn't happen just means that some folks don't want to figure it out, but I want to figure this thing out. And so that's just, um, I think it's a part of the ethos and it's a part of why the larger community continues to support this business. So Tracy, you are so close to opening your very first brick and mortar baby cafe. So first of all, congratulations and explain to us what this is all about. When I was thinking about launching the food side of my business, I initially thought, okay, I'm going to make these foods, sell them online, ship them sort of like cold package, like you would kind of like your meal program, like your meal kits. Um, And then the pandemic happened. Like I was launching this right before the pandemic. So it stalled everything. I couldn't get my final health inspection. Like I couldn't get um, my contractors to respond. Like it stalled everything. So then during the pandemic, I sort of um, pivoted a little bit. I was doing classes and courses and et cetera. And when we came out of the pandemic, when, well, we're still very much in it. Um, but when we started getting- It other, opened up a bit, yeah. Right, when it opened up a bit, um, I realized, like, it bought me a little bit of time to realize that the foods were super important to me. But there was this missing piece of selling the foods online. And that piece was very much connected to this village, to this community. And what I realized is like, it's not just about the food. It is about the food experiences. It is about allowing parents and caregivers to come together and and kind of talk about experience this really common thing, which is that all of our kids eat from the minute they're put on our chests or given to us. Like you have to think about food and feeding and it is unbelievably overwhelming. Even if your child is a good eater, you have to figure out how to feed them at minimum three times a day, what you're going to feed them. When they first start consuming anything, it's, is it breast milk? Is it formula? How many ounces are they actually consuming enough? When you transition to solids, is it baby led weaning? Is it purees? When should you introduce textures? Have you done purees for too long? Are you going to sort of ruin their swallowing and chewing? And then when they get older, it's how much sugar's in your food, salts, am I giving them healthy snacks or not? And it never ends, including the food prep. And so I don't think people realize how much what our kids are consuming consumes mom. (laughs) Bingo. It's all day with the snacks and everything, all day, all All day. day. You never stop thinking about it. Did I give my food something that's causing them gas? Like it it just never ends. And so for me, when I started realizing like, I don't just want to bring these foods to market and I do, 
but I want to have a gathering around these foods. I want this food to be used as something that brings community together and creates a space for caregivers. And so that's what we're doing. The Baby Cafe isn't just about amazing, delicious foods, and we'll have plenty of that for babies as young as whenever you want to start introducing solids. We will have oatmeals and different types of meals, barley meals. We'll have baby-led weaning options, fruit spears that are coated in different things like flaxseed. Mm coconut and all sorts of things, tapas style and also family style. So if you want to come with your friends and their babies, you guys, those munchkins can share a platter of things as well. So we'll have delicious food, but more than anything, we're going to create community there. It all Um, goes back to that community for you. And I love that. And I think that that's probably the most important thing. And one of the things that pandemic kind of was really difficult for moms for us is that we couldn't get there and be with our village and be together. I'm laughing because you mentioned baby led weaning. Mm -hmm. And I remember being in a baby group when my kids Mm -hmm. were really little and everyone kept saying baby limb weaning, baby led weaning. And I thought they were saying baby linguini. (laughs) And I was like, did I miss a class or something? So finally, after like the third or fourth week, I finally was like, um, I have a question. Everyone's talking about baby linguini and I don't know where you get this or am I supposed to make it? Where do sell it? Right. Everyone in the class is like, what's wrong with her? You're behind, honey. It's baby led weaning. Totally. All oh, right. I must have missed that one. Um <laughs> No big deal. So so looking back, it just seems like you're on, you know, this amazing trajectory, even through the pandemic and everything, you've been able to really grow your business. So looking back when you first started, because like I said, there are a lot of people out there who are looking to do what you're doing. What would you tell yourself then? Like, what do you wish you knew then that you know now sitting where you are? I tell myself and I tell others, ask for help ask for help of everyone who's willing to help. So many people, when I first started off, offered their help, but I felt bad accepting that help. I thought they were just offering help to be polite or to be kind or to be encouraging. And some of the things that I just didn't take people up on took me so much longer to figure out on my own. And so I think the me now would graciously accept that offer for help and actually make the ask because that's the hardest part saying like, so, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you offered to fill in the blank. I'd love to accept. And when can we talk about that? Really hard to do Um, in general. I think also as a mom, we're so used to doing everything. We're so used to being the person who like- And you want to be super mom in the beginning too. And Mm -hmm. so I think that that applies. I think a lot of us could use that advice. New moms, Mm -hmm. when people say, I will come over, I'll take the baby. They mean it. Take them up on it. Mm -hmm. Let them do that. So not Mm -hmm. only if you're starting your own business, but just if you're a mom in general, like let people help you. So I want to talk about your experience as a black female entrepreneur Mm -hmm. here in this area. How has that experience been like for you? <laughs> it's, such, it's such a good question. And I laugh because my experience has been mixed. I, I, when I rewind back to what I initially said, which is I signed up for every class and every course that I could think to sign up for. I remember going to some of these early classes. I remember a finance course in particular. And there are all of these like entrepreneurs in the class. Most of them were further along in their development than I had than I was at the time, although not not all of them. But it was very white and it was very male. And it was very like 
we know this world. Like, you know, there were very few women in that class. You know, I'd say if there were 50 us all to, 50 of us altogether, there were probably five women at most. And then I was the only person of color. And experiences like that, especially the early experiences, oftentimes like my mind really, it's those intrusive thoughts that are sort of the worst enemy. I started thinking or playing the script in my head, like maybe I don't belong. Maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe I'm too different. Maybe, you know, it's all those things Obviously, fast forward two years later, three years later, it makes me a little emotional. Like I'm still here, but I I think like, you know, for me, I'm a woman of faith. So I say by the grace of God, like I'm still here and I'm meant to be here and I'm meant to be in Boston because Boston on the flip side of that story. And you didn't hear me say like anyone was really like mean to me or negative and they weren't. I felt like an outsider. I felt like someone who was on the outside looking in, but at the same time, this community has been unbelievably supportive of my business. Like I did a pop-up in Somerville and people were traveling from like the burbs to come and shop just to buy product. And so I say, there's a reason I'm launching my business in Boston. And yes, it can feel very isolating. We know we've read all the stories. We know the you know, we've read the stories. We we know we still have work to do in terms of, you know, diversity and the wealth gap and equity. But I also feel so grateful to be part of this community because this community has been incredibly supportive of my business, including the Black business community in Boston. So you were talking about being in those rooms with a bunch of white men, being one of the only females, being the only person of color, Mm -hmm. um, and these intrusive thoughts that were there. And, you know, you're feeling discouraged and feeling like you shouldn't be there. I think a lot of people can can relate to this, the intrusive thoughts, you know, they're they're kind of always right there for women, for in particular, I think for women, maybe not so much for the guys. Mm -hmm. Any advice you have when that imposter syndrome creeps in or those negative thoughts are crossing through when you're on a mission. Mm-hmm. So I think you'll be a good person to speak to that. It always comes back to the village. Find those people in your village that have always been your fans. And for me, that's my husband. It's my baby. She thinks I'm amazing. It's my <laughs> best friends. It's my own mother. And be honest about those experiences. So for me, I came home and I was sitting down with my husband and I was like, I, sometimes those situations make me feel like I don't belong. Like I'm an imposter. And he's like, you're just as smart and just as capable as any of those men in those room, like in that room. And like, you need to keep going because there are some people watching you thinking you're the one who knows it. You're the one who's going after it and you owe it to them to get as far as you can with this thing. And so for me, it's my motivation, you know, because it was a good reminder. And I think your village will remind you why you belong in that room and why you deserve all the things that are waiting for you. Surround yourself with your love group. I think that's amazing advice. Tracy, this has been amazing. We laughed, we cried. I mean, it was a full Oprah moment here. (laughs) I mean, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us and being so open and honest. This was just a wonderful conversation. All the best to you. Let us know where we can find more about you. 
Yeah. So you can visit the website, uh, littlecocobeanco.com. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram and Facebook. It's at Little Cocoa Bean Co. And we're also on TikTok at the Little Cocoa Bean Co. Oh boy, look out TikTok. <laughs> All right, Tracy, thank you so much for being on Mom to Mom today. Thank you so much for having me, Maria. Isn't she fabulous? I just love Tracy. So much information there. All right. Thank you all so much for joining me today on Mom to Mom, the podcast. Just a reminder, you can binge all these episodes wherever you find your podcast. And if you do and you like what you hear, please rate and review. It, it means a lot to us and it exposes this podcast uh, to other people so they can check it out too. Uh, and if you're in the New England area, just a friendly reminder that Mom to Mom, the TV show is on the air on Mondays at 1130 a.m on NBC 10 Boston and keep your eyes peeled because there are exciting things coming for the mom to mom TV show. So thank you all for being here today and I will see you next week on mom to mom.